This podcast is supported by Sprint GP, a new online racing game that allows users to create a unique team centered around ownership and strategy. Sprint GP is a data-driven ecosystem with ties to ground truth to simulate realistic race events for users. The goal is simple, build a race team, enter events, earn payouts and points, increase the value of your digital asset. In Sprint GP, you are not only a team owner, but you're a racing coach. To learn more about the Sprint GP racing environment, head on over to SprintGP.com and join the racing community today. Hey everyone, welcome back to Racing to Win, brought to you by Apex 146. I'm your host, Julia Robinson. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. My name is Julia. We got Connor here again with us today. Hey, guys. What's going on? How's it going, Julia? Can't complain. Everything is going well out in Oregon this past weekend. I actually went out to a racetrack in northern Oregon and watched Scott, who is Apex 146's founder and CEO, race his new Kramer out on the racetrack. So he joined one of the clubs up there and it was pretty hot, but really cool to see him hit a new track on that. That's awesome. What did he think of this track compared to those East Coast tracks that he's usually riding at? Yeah, this one was actually perfect for his Kramer. It was pretty tight and technical, a lot of blind corners, off-camber turns. So it was definitely a learning curve out there, but he did do one full day and had a blast. So it was really cool to see. It was like out in the middle of these grass fields and uh, just looked almost like Northern California with some golden rolling hills. That's awesome. Those Kramers, I've heard lots of good things about. So what do you have on deck MotoGP-wise to discuss today? Yeah, transitioning over to MotoGP, we are talking about the rise of Aprilia. So we actually did a Twitter space with SprintGP on this topic about two weeks ago, I would say. And we're going to revisit it just so we can have it on record for Racing to Win as we talk about Alicia Spargo, Maverick Vinales, and their 2022 season, where they came from, how they're doing, and how we see the championship unfolding going forward. Sweet deal. Well, we're halfway through the season. Looks like Alicia Spargo is in second overall and Vinales is in 12th. How is um, Aprilia doing in the overall constructor standings? Yeah, so we have 11 races finished in the 2022 season. They are third in the constructor standings after Ducati and Yamaha. Not a big surprise there. Uh, I mean, Quattrara has really been carrying Yamaha on his back, and Ducati's definitely been fluctuating up and down, but we've seen quite a few Ducati riders on the podium. Uh, but team standings, Aprilia's actually in first, which is awesome. I don't, I don't know when the last time that happened was, but I think this really chalks up to the balance between the riders. Um, Alicia Spargo definitely is, you know, carrying a bit of the weight of the team. Maverick Vinales is improving every single race, but Alicia Spargo currently has... 151 points and Maverick Vinales has 62 so definitely a gap there but Vinales is like I said stepping it up and hopefully he'll really start accumulating more points and they'll be able to pull away in the team standings but it's pretty cool to see Aprilia so competitive this year not only in the team standings but I mean Alicia Spargo is only 21 points behind Fabio so you know everything can change within one race. 
Yeah, it's incredible how Alicia's been doing this year compared to the last couple. Yeah, I mean, and I definitely think, you know, with all the rough patches, there were times where he was really ready to throw in the towel and something's really clicked. And I think having Vinales on the team, Alicia and Vinales, um, they were teammates way back when. And, you know, having them in the same garage, they get along so well. And Vinales' experience, obviously, Alicia Spargo has been in MotoGP since 2012 so he has a lot of experience but Maverick Vinales he's been in the series since 2015 we've seen him finishing in the top five a majority of the years so I definitely think that he has experience of being a very competitive you know title battling rider so I think that the combination of those two has really helped with the the manufacturer this year. Given that they both have a lot going on outside of the sport, now that they're both family men, how do you think this reflects on the racetrack? Yeah, I mean, Aleish and Maverick definitely both wear their hearts on their sleeve. You you can understand how they're feeling just based on their expressions and their riding. So, you know, I think more notably, Maverick Vinales, definitely his performance on the track is directly influenced with his outside life. He's recently married, he has a daughter, and he just seems so happy and lit up and focused and really, what's the word? Inspired and driven, I would say, especially compared to last year when he had the early split with Yamaha. His future was definitely a bit uncertain, and I would say he's just a totally new rider this year. Um, Alicia Spargo also has a totally new positive energy, and both of these riders, even when things don't go 100% their way on the weekend, I feel that their outlook for the upcoming races is a lot more positive. They're able to reflect on a weekend and learn from it instead of having it weigh them down and feel defeated. Yeah, it's awesome to hear that they're both in such a good headspace. Sounds a little different than a lot of the young guns that they're racing against each weekend. Yeah, there's. I would say that there's a lot of people struggling with the consistency this year in performance, and it's definitely taking a toll on the mental game. And, you know, it's defeating. And so I do think that Aprilia, this inevitably, inevitably, <laughs> inevitably is helping their performance. So aside from the mental game, Aleish has been riding the same bike since 2017. Seems like Maverick has had a good segue into riding the Aprilia. He's doing pretty well. He's in 12th, like we mentioned earlier. Um, do you think? How do you think his transition has gone thus far, given his prior experience? Yeah, I think Vinales has had a very smooth transition, and I think it's gone really, I guess you would say, as planned. It's a slow ramp. So Maverick Vinales has a really strong foundation, and we'll dig into that a little bit more in a minute. But, you know, he he had a slight underwhelming onboarding, I would say, to Aprilia. He's been doing really well with his finishing rate and whatnot, but we're slowly starting to see him climb up in those finishing positions. And so I do think it's a slow ramp. He's being really smart about it and trying to really understand each weekend where he can fine tune his performance for the bike. And so I do think we'll continue to see him climb through the rest of the season. But I would say that, you know, I mean, we left off with Assen and that was just an amazing race for both of them. It really seemed like it clicked. You know, it was not a perfect race by any means. We did see Quattraro almost take out Aleish and then he had to climb his way back up. But both of the characteristics or indexes that we had listed as areas of improvement for them, we saw them really pushing hard. 
So I guess with that, we can dive in a little bit more to the performance indexes around these two riders and really understand better how Maverick Vinales has such a strong foundation to build off of and how Alicia Spargo needs to fine tune his just a little bit more before pushing. So let's start with Vinales. He, like I said, is building on a very strong foundation. And so what what I mean by that and when I said Aleish still needs to fine-tune his, is that there's a foundation when you enter the series, but then there's also a foundation to be competitive at the front with these top riders. You have to be able to have the awareness for passing, blocking, while maintaining your speed with consistent lap times every single lap. And so it's a lot going on and it's a lot to manage, but it's really the awareness of your surroundings and knowing when to push, where to push, and how hard to push given where you are during the race. Given that Vinales is quite the MotoGP veteran by now, I'm sure his awareness is pretty tuned in. Um, Which indexes do you think stand out with him? Yeah, so one big thing, which is just like a general foundation, is his balance between speed and consistency. We're not seeing that he has necessarily race leader pace every single lap, but what we're seeing is that his consistency ranking is quite strong. And so now when he's able to start pushing the speed a little bit more, that's really where we will see him make up the most ground. So he is much more balanced between his speed and consistency. He just really needs to basically take it up a notch. This balance you mentioned is definitely something that we see quite a bit with rookies. Some of them have it figured out where their consistency is higher than their speed index, in which case they do wind up coming out stronger in their finished positions, while a lot of other rookies tend to have a really high speed index with a low consistency, which winds up taking a couple years to figure out that balance. Yeah, exactly. That's why whenever we are studying rookies, we love to praise those that have a little bit slower speed, but are able to rank really high in that consistency index, because if you're able to build the foundation with consistency, speed will come. And that's the same as when riders switch manufacturers. So that's one thing that, you know, is great about Maverick Vinales' performance. Not only is he having a strong consistency index, but he's actually having a really strong balance between speed and consistency. So I think once we see him push harder with the speed as he's figuring out the bike and really how to maneuver it around all these tracks that, you know, he once really dominated on the Yamaha, for example, I do think we'll see him finishing higher, a little bit ahead of the mid-pack. So the balance of speed and consistency is one great piece of his foundation but then also I would say it's a lot about his strategic passing so this comes more into the efficiency of his riding specifically his prey index which apex 146's prey index really tracks a rider's ability to block others from passing and we've always seen that from Vinales like when he's on and he looks like he's riding on rails and you see people tracking him he's just able to close the door so often And so we definitely see him utilize that skill in races this year, uh, especially the more recent races. You know, in the beginning, his position definitely fluctuated quite a bit, but we see him every single race start to really lock in that performance in terms of strategic passing, um, blocking, and just the awareness of his opponents. I sure do love watching Vinales get in a little battle and watch how he just shuts the door down on anyone that's trying to pass him. So that awareness that he holds definitely contributes to the net versus volatility balance that he's got pretty dialed in. 
Yeah, and just as a reminder, so when we say net movement, that refers to the total positions an athlete gained or lost during a race. Volatility, more specifically, is how many times their position changed. And so in a perfect world, this is a positive value that is equal to net. So if, you know, I started in 10th and I finished in 5th, I should have a positive net of 5 and my volatility will be 5. The goal is that you're overtaking, you're holding, and you're not getting into these battles back and forth because that's when the athlete's personal energy starts to deteriorate, but also their tires. And generally speaking, Vinales has always been pretty darn good at managing his tires. We don't really see him necessarily falling back, back, back. He's usually someone moving forward. Yeah, that tire management sure is crucial, especially in these later summer months when the circuit temperature is just through the roof. But what do you think about Vinales' year overall thus far? Yeah, I mean, I think the big takeaway is just that he has a great foundation and now he just has to start pushing harder. He definitely does need to improve his qualifying. This year, his average qualifying position falls around 13 and his average finishing position falls around 10th. So he's definitely making progress during the race, but he has his work cut out for him once he's, you know, off the grid. So... I would say picking it up a little bit on Saturday and then really just locking in what he did in Assen. I mean, he started in 11th and ended up on the podium. So it was really great way to end the first half of the season, go into summer break, definitely a big confidence booster. So we'll see what he can bring to Silverstone. Geez, I guess it's like right around the corner now. So yeah, it'll be exciting to see how he can pull it together. But let's switch over to Mr. Aspargro, the... Aprilia veteran. He's been with them since 2017. This is hands down the best season he has had with them so far. Sitting in second, just quick overview, average qualifying position is fifth, which rocks. You know, he's definitely making up quite a bit of ground on Saturdays. And then his average finishing position is around fourth, fifth. So we've definitely seen him on the podium a handful of times. We've also seen him just miss out on that. Do you think there's any specific piece of the puzzle that has finally clicked this year, or do you think it's just the stars are aligning now that he's got a nice, strong team behind him, a good new teammate, and a supportive family that's pushing him all along the way? I definitely think partially is the stars are aligning. The manufacturer itself is just killing it this year. You know, he's been looking for this bike for the past few years, and they have definitely delivered. Obviously, some weeks are better than others, but... I forgot your question. <laughs> what was your question? What's the puzzle piece that finally clicked this year for Aleish? Oh, I don't know if I can answer that. I think it's definitely a handful of different variables. But like you mentioned, the fact that he has the competitive manufacturer, the bike is, I think, clicked for him. Obviously, his personal outside life seems to be going great. And I just really think he's found his groove. And I Definitely just the confidence of competing with the top riders and landing on the podium. He's riding a high. And so we've seen him leading the championships after some races. He's sitting in second. So, you know, we'll definitely conclude this with how we see him and the championship with Quattraro unfolding since those two are quite far ahead of everybody else. But we can dive in a little bit more just to where his skills are standing out versus maybe areas of improvement going forward for the rest of the season. 
He definitely has a strong foundation given he's been in the series since 2012, but now it's a foundation of leading the pack. And I know we mentioned this a little bit ago, but it's definitely a bit different. It requires a lot more awareness and ability to manage both himself and his bike and tires. For a racer that's been kind of mid-pack-ish the last handful of years, it must be a whole new ball game actually leading races, not actually chasing people trying to improve that prey index yeah no i think that's a really good point it's that it's he's now has to look behind him at the people chasing him versus hunting others down so you know we have seen that he has a very competitive speed index but what he's not able to do quite yet is match that top speed index with a very competitive consistency index and you know these are referring to his lap times and sector times not just final position and so his consistency just on a lap-to-lap basis fluctuates a bit. And so that also contributes to his final position because he's clocking in a fast lap and then unable to match it the next time around. And so I think once we see him, I hate to say it, like (laughs) slow down just a little bit so that he can provide those consistent fast laps, that's where we'll see him be able to start making bigger gaps between riders and pulling away. So his qualifying, he's been doing pretty darn well. He's pretty good at getting off the grid as well. I mean, there's always room to work on your start off the grid. Yeah, I want to see him get some more hole shots. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we've seen him. I mean, what we said his average qualifying was around fifth. So we've definitely seen him on the front row. We've seen him in pole positions, but I agree. Seeing him set the pace out of the gate would be amazing but then is he able to lead the entire grid around i'm not sure if he has that in him yet to do that one weekend after another obviously we have seen him leading races this year but we've also seen him start to get slightly engulfed by the pack so there's definitely room for improvement when we look at his prey index so his ability to block others it's definitely like you know, you mentioned Connor, it's a skill that you have to develop once you're in the front of the pack, because if you're always really just chasing, it's hard to fine tune that skill or refine it. Yeah. So what's happening with his volatility and net movement? Yeah. So whereas Vinales, you know, his teammate had a pretty strong balance, we are seeing that, well, first off, he has a really strong net movement. So it's always positive or zero with the exception of Catalonia, which we won't talk about that race because he accidentally rolled out of it. That was painful to watch. But he always really is finishing ahead of where he started or where he started. Now, given his qualifying is fifth, that means that he's generally finishing in the top group of riders. Now, the volatility is something also he needs to work on, but we can circle back to his prey index, right? So, It's not as strong as we would like it to be. He usually has a couple more position changes than actual, um, how do I want to say this? His volatility is usually higher than his net movement. So he's changing positions, but he's not necessarily being able to hold them and stick them. But with all this said, I mean, Alicia Spargo has had an incredible season. We've seen him out in front. We've seen him leading entire races just about. And we've also seen some pretty incredible recoveries, such as in Assen when um, Quattraro slid out, basically drove Espargo off the circuit. He fell all the way back to, I think, like 15th position and then climbed his way back up to the top five, 
which is incredible because that's a really competitive group to pick your way through, but he has that really refined predator skill. I mean, he's had to fight his way through the pack for all of these years, and so I really think he was able to leverage that experience, and I mean, Assen was just an incredible race for both Aprilia riders, and like I said earlier, this is when we really saw it click for them, and skills that previously we would have said need to be refined, we saw them make headway on here. Yeah, it's been a huge year for both of them. It's been awesome watching. So now that Aleish is in the position in a team's perspective where he's been there for a handful of years, he's been riding the same bike and working with those engineers to improve it year to year and even race to race. I'm sure that Vinales now coming onto that for the first year, he's probably a little taken away almost. Do you think that the bike is more suited for Spargo's need and do you think Vinales is going to have to alter some of those changes that Aprilia has made? That's such a good question because it's such a prevalent issue that we're seeing with manufacturers right now. And we are by no means saying that a manufacturer is gearing a bike specifically for one rider. But what we have seen is that teams tend to struggle to create a bike that fits the riding style of a handful of different athletes. So, you know, Yamaha and Honda are pretty clear examples. Honda has had its ups and downs with their other three riders, but Ultimately, Mark Marquez is the one that really brings it home for them. And then similarly for Yamaha, you know, we have seen Morbidelli in the past up there after his injury. We haven't really seen him come back, but Davincioso, um, Darren Binder, neither of them have really found their groove with the Yamaha, but then look at Quattraro. I mean, he's leading the championship by 21 points. So yeah, again, <laughs> so I don't think necessarily that this bike is, you know, it's built for Aleish, but I do think that Vinales and Aleish have similar riding styles, which benefits the team, but they're also adding two more bikes to the grid next year. So I think that it'll become a lot more clear on how adaptable the manufacturer is once we get more athletes out there, because, you know, Aleish is definitely, you can call him the team captain and Maverick Vinales is the new guy, but they both bring such unique experience. But once we get two more bikes on the circuit, I think we'll have a much better idea of how adaptable everything is and what riding styles really suit the Aprilia. Totally. Yeah. I'm excited to see how the rest of this year plays out for Vinales and Aspargo. Yeah. It's a bummer that Yamaha is losing their satellite team. Um, but you know, really exciting for Aprilia this year and going into next year is just huge for them. So can't complain, but I guess lastly, let's talk about just the overall championship and Aleish versus Quattraro because Fabio has not really been able to shake him yet. What's their points gap again? So we're looking at 21 points between the two of them. So that is one race. If, you know, if Quattraro didn't finish and Aleish got first, he would surpass him in points. I'm sure that'll keep Quattraro's palms a little sweaty on that bike. Yeah, he, you know, last year he really took off in the points and had a big gap, but he just hasn't been able to do that this year. And even though Aleish has had his ups and downs, his overall performance has been pretty consistent. So has Quattraro's, but they're really neck and neck here. Um, every single race going forward is going to be crucial to maintain this gap, though. Yep, hopefully Aleish's couple more years of experience in the premier class over Quattraro shine these last few races and his consistency is there and he can hopefully give him a run for his money there. Yeah, I mean, everybody wants to see a cutthroat battle for the world championship. Obviously, you know, 
always happy for whoever's able to lock in that title, even if it's a few races before the end of the season. But it's so exciting going into, you know, the last two or three or even the last race when it's up for grabs and you know that one person has to finish this far ahead of the other to lock in the championship. So, you know, and Quattuaro was on fire last year. He's definitely on point right now, but we have seen his performance fluctuate before throughout the season. Yamaha's looking pretty strong alongside him. You know, they really want to defend that world championship title, but I think the biggest thing for Aspargro if he does want to continue holding up with Quattraro is he's going to have to improve his consistency in his lap times because that's what gives you the end results, right? He has a really strong qualifying. We know that it's going to be finishing on the podium more consistently and, you know, not even first place, but second, third, but just consistently always being there and slowly racking up those points and making sure that gap doesn't get too big. Yeah, when and if that last race championship battle comes down to it, I hope that they stay safe and it might give me flashbacks to last year's F1 final race. Oh, goodness. (laughs) That one was... (laughs) That one will haunt many people forever. That was an interesting race. But yeah, I mean, we love to see the competition here. You know, 2019, what Mark Marquez was able to achieve there was incredible. It was definitely his year. And so then moving forward into 2020 when Mir won the world championship and we just had so many different race winners. And even this year to look at the diverse set of riders and manufacturers that have been on the podium and whatnot, it's just, it's really exciting for the series as a whole as all this young talent is coming up. Silverstone is just around the corner. This is one of my favorite circuits. Connor, I don't know about you, but the the last lap and last corner battles at Silverstone are incredible. One of my favorite photos is Rins and Marquez coming around that last corner, and they're literally looking at each other going over the finish line. So I'm personally very, very excited for Silverstone. Then we have Austria, Misano, go back to Spain, and I think the best is yet to come for this year. Couldn't have said it better myself. Hopefully they all keep the rubber side down. That's the goal. Well, thank you all for joining another episode of Racing to Win brought to you by Apex 146. My name's Julia. Thank you, Connor, for joining again. Thank you. It's been real. It's always fun to discuss MotoGP. Um, Please join us on our Twitter space Thursday, 8 a.m. Pacific time, where we will be discussing the first race back after summer break. Since we have already covered the rise of Aprilia on our Twitter spaces, we're going to focus solely on this first race back, what it means for everybody in the top end of the championship, historically who has succeeded here, what manufacturers we expect to do well, and any questions that you have. Twitter spaces are live, viewers are able to join in, grab the mic, ask questions, discuss MotoGP with us. So be sure to follow Apex146 as well as SprintGP, the co-host of these Twitter spaces. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, check out the websites. You can find Sprint GP on Discord, so be sure to join us there. We look forward to discussing MotoGP with everybody Thursday, 8 a.m. Pacific time on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and let's get ready for Silverstone. <laughs>